Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Gary Dutenay and welcome to a new episode of Unlock People's Potential. A startup founder needs to be a good leader. Most of what startups do is navigating in the unknown until they find some traction that validates that they are into something interesting. So as a founder, you need to be able to lead your team in the unknown. And we all know that this is not always easy. My guest today, Peter Docker, will help you do this. Peter gets up every day to enable people to be amazing in what they do. I got to know Peter for his work with Simon Sinek. You may have heard of Simon by watching his TED talk, Start With Why. Peter and Simon focused on helping leaders connect people to higher common purpose. And this is the way you can guide a startup in the unknown. One question you will hear often in this episode is why. Of course, this is the question that helps you identify the purpose of what you and your team are working on. Peter and I had a great chat. I really enjoyed it. So without further ado, enjoy today's episode. Hello, Peter. Good morning, Garrick. Wonderful to speak with you. Yes, yes, it's amazing. How are you doing? I'm very well. Um, I'm enjoying uh, the last of the summer days, I think, in England, out in the beautiful English countryside. Um, and it's good to see the sun for a change. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so, Peter, I really wanted to, to have you unlock people's potential because you've been working with Simon Sinek on a concept called Start With Why. Yeah. And that's something I feel is very important to just unlock your own potential. That's maybe the first step to do that. And so for those who aren't familiar with the concept, um, could you actually explain what Start With Why means? Yes, of course. I mean, th this was an idea that Simon Sinek codified uh, in his now very famous TED Talk back in 2009. And really in its simplest form, and it is a very simple model, it's, um, it says how everybody knows what they do. Um, you know, the work we do, the, the product that we produce as a company, for example. Some of us know how we do it in terms of our unique selling proposition, what makes us different or better. Um, but only the inspired leaders, the inspired organizations know why it is they do what they do. And by why, we don't mean to make money, to make a living or make a profit. That's a result. By why, we mean what's your higher purpose? What's your cause? What's your belief? Um, why do you exist and why do you get out of bed each day? And because not many of us can put that into words, most of us think, act and communicate starting with what? You know, we start with the clearest thing, saying what it is we do, and then we talk about what makes us different or better. Um, but the inspired leaders, the inspired entrepreneurs, for a good example, they think, act, communicate starting with why? the reason, the higher purpose that they do what they do. And so it's very important in terms of how you work with people. And my question is actually, why is it so important? Because so let's say I have a startup and I need to hire a software engineer. Uh, can I just find someone who's going to deliver and perform well rather than someone who has the same why that I have? Um, Yes, you, you, can, you can find someone who will deliver well, I'm sure. You know, and most organizations, whether they are startups or larger companies, 
they tend to hire people based on the what, you know, what those individuals can offer. Um, we all have our CVs, our resumes, which talk about what we've done and the qualifications we have. And yet I haven't met anybody um, who has hired someone just based on their resume or CV. What we do, we get them in to have a conversation with them, to see if they are, quote, like us, whether they will fit with us, whether we will get along. We use all of these phrases uh, to try and explain um, how we feel towards another person, whether we're making them friends or whether we're thinking of hiring them for our organization. Actually, what we're doing is checking to see at some level or another whether they have similar values or beliefs as we do. You see, you know, if we go back 50,000 years um, when we're out on the open plains, as individuals, we actually weren't that great. What made the human race really, really strong was that we worked together and we came together in tribes. And tribes were defined as groups of people who believed the same thing. And they would work together with blood and sweat and tears to achieve what they wanted to achieve as that tribe. Um, the modern day company is actually in its best form, just a tribe. And so if we hire people who believe what we believe, at whatever level, in our words, have a similar why, then they're likely to work for us with blood and sweat and tears and all of that wonderful stuff called discretionary effort where people are putting more in because they choose to rather than because they have to. However, if we just hire people because they're skills and there is no passion there, there's no common belief, then they'll work for our paycheck and they won't put the added, added energy in and when another paycheck is offered at another organization that's higher, then chances are they'll go over there. So yes, if you want short-term results, um, hire somebody to deliver a certain um, role or product or whatever it is. If you want to build an organization where people feel loyal to you and where those who work with you become your advocates for your business because they believe in the same thing too, then take a moment to think about hiring people who've got the same passion as you for what it is you're doing. And what, what should a leader observe if he or she wants to hire someone who has the same passion, someone who believes in the same uh, ideas? Well, like all these things, uh, Gary, it actually starts with us, the individual. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed, I certainly have. When you come across somebody who is passionate about what they do, um, it's almost infectious. And if we're talking about entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneur, you need to be passionate about what you do. Because I tell you, it is not a logical thing to start up your own business, is it? The logical thing is to go and get a, a job with a, another company who are going to pay you a regular salary and um, probably provide you with a pension if you're lucky, that sort of thing. That's the logical thing to do. That's the secure thing to do. So starting up your own business as an entrepreneur, it's risky. And you're taking, uh, taking on great risk. And you need to be properly motivated to do that. And every entrepreneur I've met is properly motivated. They're passionate. They have a belief in what it is they do. So the starting point, actually, is to get clear on what you're passionate about and why this business, this company, organization you're starting, why it is so important to you. 
and practice putting that into words because at the end of the day it's a feeling it's difficult to put words into feeling uh, sorry feeling into words but when we do then we can inspire people around us who also believe in the same thing and we'll attract them and if they've got the right skills and capability then it's exactly the sort of person that we want to be hiring so if you want to attract people who believe what you believe then get very clear and practiced that's expressing what it is that you believe. And expressing this belief is something that is actually very difficult. And I guess it's also why most people discard this question of why. What, what should be the context or like what are the, the ways someone who wants to figure out what's the, the core belief he or she has? Uh, like what should be the questions? Well, um, first of all, let, let me break that down into two parts. Um, there is a small startup company that some people may have heard of called Tesla, <laughs> run by Elon Musk. I'm sure you've heard of him, Garrick. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I mention him because thinking, acting and communicating, communicating, starting with why your higher purpose is actually difficult. Because I said, as I said a moment ago, most of us, the natural way is to start with what? We talk about what it is we do because it's tangible. It's easy to put into words. And then we'll go on to talk about how we do that, um, which, again, is relatively straightforward. So starting with the reason you're doing it, the why, is difficult. But if you take a look at Elon Musk, in March of this year, he held a major press and TV event to launch his latest vehicle, the Model 3. Did you see that? Or do you know what I'm talking about, Gary? Yeah, of course, of course. And I guess yeah. most people have seen that. Too. Well, yes. Uh, and it's really worth having a look at um, through the perspective of communicating, starting with why. Because um, if you have a look at the, the video, which is on YouTube of him, he comes out onto an empty stage, empty stage in front of several thousand people. And the first two or three minutes of his presentation, he doesn't mention the car at all. He talks about why this is so important, why he does what he does. He talks about his belief in the planet, the belief he has in the human race, and the belief that he has about creating sustainable transport, in fact, sustainable energy now, um, and how important that is uh, and uh, for us to be able to leave the planet for our children and grandchildren. And he's absolutely clear on that. Then he talks about what he calls his secret master plan, which is really how he's going to bring this vision he has to life. And then only at the end does he say anything about the car. And he says flippantly, I suppose now you'd like to see the car. In the time it takes for that whole presentation, which is about 20 minutes, he starts with why, he then goes on to how, and finally finishes with what. In that time he secures almost 300,000 orders for a car that the vast majority of people have not yet seen. And each of those orders, people had to put down a $1,000 deposit. What he did, he inspired people around him. And he did that through his very great ability to communicate, starting with why. So, you know, we can take um, a great lesson here from Elon Musk, who is quite a remarkable entrepreneur and really puts his neck on the line for what he believes, um, that is a great example that anybody can watch 
of how to communicate starting with why. So coming back to your main question, Garrick, which is how do you go about discovering your why or putting that into words? Um, when we take people through a why discovery and we do this for individuals or teams or organizations, we start by asking people to think about stories in their lives that um, are the peaks and the valley stories. Um, those great times that we really remember and would love to repeat, and perhaps also those times which we found particularly difficult um, or would wish to want to, we would wish to avoid in the future. And as we take people through these stories, which are very specific stories, they've got to be specific, um, specific events, specific times, that's very important. As we take people through these stories, themes start to emerge. And those themes will then start to point to that individual or indeed that company's why, their higher purpose, their, their belief, their cause. So that's how you go about starting to discover your why. It's a discovery process drawn from your past. It's not a creative process. It's one of discovery. And just linking it to your example about um, Elon Musk's presentation, it seems that, of course, asking why and like communicating the why is so important. But at the same time, I know many people who are quite skeptical about this and they actually focus on the what and they'll be saying that actually the what is what creates the business and the why is just overthinking. And I was actually wondering why people are like kind of discarding this question. Well, um, it will be different for everybody, of course, but the way I look at this is, is, is quite simple. Um, I, I have a distinction between leadership and management. Um, management is about handling complexity. Leadership is about creating simplicity. And if we think of all the great leaders um, that might come to mind um, in politics, in business, what brings them altogether is that they're very clear and simple message they have about what they believe and simple isn't necessarily easy you know it takes quite a lot of time to get to something that's simple but when we have that clarity of purpose we can then lead ourselves in accordance with that and also we can show other people the way to go um, we can hold up the flag and people can follow uh, should they choose to if they believe the same as we do. However, we are, as human beings, naturally attracted to complexity. We like the tangible, we like to work out the problems, the tangible problems, and it makes us feel good. And so quite often people are more attracted to sorting out that complexity and getting results than spending the time to build that simplicity which would give context within which they do everything else. Um, people are, are often very, very keen to move on, um, to get going, and that's fine. But after a while, if you haven't got clarity of purpose, if you haven't defined the context within which you're working, then what it is you're doing after a period of time can lose focus and start to get a bit wobbly. And then quite often you bring people in to help you fix that. Uh, with a focus on what it is you do rather than 
what you need to do is get clear on why it is you're doing this and the context within which you're working. Um, does that answer your question? Yes, of course, of course. And I was actually wondering, um, Peter, when, like, just to see, because most people might think that they have clarity on their belief, which is what yeah. we think we have when we, we do things, because we all do things for a reason. But actually, there are some common symptoms uh, for organizations and people that actually don't have the, the this clarity. Could you give some examples of symptoms of a, an organization that doesn't have a good clarity on, on the why? Uh, yes, uh, and let's, let's unpack that a little bit because um, I'd agree with you, Garrick, that many, many people and many organizations that I've spent time with will say, yes, we're very clear on our why. And then I say to them, well, okay, tell me what it is then. In a single sentence, tell me the reason, the higher purpose, your cause. And generally that is met with a bit of um, nervous laughter. Um, because if I have six people in a room from the same company, I ask them that question, quite often I'll get six different answers. Because they will struggle to put into words um, what their why is. You know, a why, a higher purpose, a cause, a belief, it's... It's like the fingerprint for a company, an organization. And if we're part of that culture, we can all feel what it is if we feel we belong. But putting it into words is very difficult because feelings come from the limbic brain, which is responsible for all decision-making, all decision-making, and all human behavior, and yet has got no capacity for language. Um, and so we do find putting it into words quite difficult. Um, so the first starting point is not only to be able to say, yes, I know what our why is, but be able to say it in a single sentence that can be repeated by others and can be remembered, because then you can start to act on it. So that's the first thing. It's the transition between what you feel your why is and actually being able to put into words and start to use it. That's the, that's the important thing um, and the difficult thing. Um, and forgive me, Garrick, what, the, the main part of your question, remind me, my brain's just given up on me for a minute. So the, the, the main question is actually, what are the symptoms ah, uh, yes, thank of you. an organization that thinks that it's clear and the why, but it's actually not? Well, um, the first symptom actually links back to what I've just said. If you get everybody together and you ask them, tell me why we exist as an organization, if you get the same words from each and every one of those people, then chances are your why is alive and living and is strong. If, however, you get those people together and you get um, different answers or people are struggling to put into words, then that is a very good indication that the why is not strong um, and is not being lived and people aren't basing their choices on whether they are contributing to the why of the organization or taking away from it. So that's the first symptom. The other symptom that we often um, find is that a, a company is pretty clear on its why at the beginning, um, but then as time goes on, they hire people to hire more people, and people who are hired are further and further removed from the original founder of the organization, or perhaps the founder moves on, and the why gets lost. And at those times, 
you start people you start to hear people saying um things like it doesn't feel like it used to or it doesn't seem like it used to be around here and people start to leave because they don't feel the connection they once had to the organization because the wire is lost and so people leave going in search of other what's moving over to different companies um and this is well i, I had a friend actually who was a, a lawyer and he once said to me he said um i'm going to take early retirements i i said why is that kim and he said well it doesn't doesn't feel like it used to around here and what he was describing was that people had lost connection to their why the high purpose of the organization and it was just to focus on the what and people became disenchanted and, and left so that's one good um indication of what we call the split when the focus becomes purely on the what the other indication that we often get is that there seems to start to be a disconnect in terms of the what's the products that the organization produces whether those are services or physical products and suddenly it it doesn't seem to make quite so much sense um there seems to be a disconnect between the different products and services that are now being produced and again people will start to leave so these are some early signs of what we call the split where the focus becomes more and more on the what and the why tends to be forgotten no that's very interesting peter and i wanted to focus more on what you described the this dilution of the why when the company is actually growing and switches from a couple of founders in a room trying to create a business mm -hmm. to maybe one 200 people uh, working in the like in the company because you said that the the reason is actually people haven't been hired for the why but for the what so the hiring process was focusing on the performance rather than the passion and the belief in the in the purpose yeah. and how do you solve that problem because you you tend to have some kind of inertia because you can't lay off people who aren't not like weren't in mm. in this why so how do you cope with this problem and make sure that the company is getting back into the why well it, it's it starts with you as the 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 leader the senior person um if you are clear and continue to articulate and express why it is we do what we do as an organization every day then two things will happen first of all you will inspire people um both inside and actually outside the company too you will inspire people who believe what you believe and you will inspire them to be loyal and to trust you which loyalty and trust is really rather important i'm sure you'll agree in business um so that's the first thing that, that will happen you will reinforce that loyalty and trust the second thing that will happen is that people who are perhaps part of your team who do not believe what you believe will start to deselect themselves in other words they will most likely choose to leave and move on because they sense that they don't want to be a part of this because it it doesn't really resonate with them any longer so you will find that people will naturally deselect but it starts with you as the senior person or the founder being the megaphone for what it is you believe you know there's there's a couple of things that spring to mind you you might know from my bio that I spent 25 years in the military and 
on the operations, the combat operations I was involved in, where I took a couple of hundred people into into combat and, and brought them back, thankfully. Most of my days, over four and a half months, most of the hours in my day, I spent seeking out my people in different parts of the, uh, the organization and talking with them and keeping them clear on why it is we're doing what we're doing and keeping them very clear on that because in a military situation, of course, what you're asking people to do is perhaps put their lives on the line. So they really need to know <laughs> why it is they're being asked to do that. And so I spent the vast majority of my time keeping the why alive. And it's the same with non-military leaders um, in history. You know, if we look at Martin Luther King, um, uh, Nelson Mandela, all of the time they, have been, they were beating the drum about what it is they believed. I believe, I believe, I believe, as Simon, uh, as Simon Sinek once said uh, in his TED talk when he was referring to Martin Luther King. You know, I believe, I believe, I believe. Martin Luther King was always talking about what he believes. In the business world today, going back to our example of Elon Musk, he's very clear on what he believes and he attracts people within his organization who believe what he believes because they want to be a part of this movement he's created. Those who aren't inspired by that, they will leave, they will move on, and that's okay. Elon Musk isn't interested in those people. He wants to be supported by people who believe what he believes and will bring their skills to help him create the vision of the world that he imagines. I think what you said is very interesting because you can't be everything to everyone and it's not a problem if someone doesn't believe the same thing that you do because I feel most like a lot of founders actually want a lot of people to join uh, their quests their adventure and they they will shape the core belief and they will shape the pitch depending on the audience mm. and it's not something that is actually useful because you're actually trying to convince people who aren't the right target for your business aren't the right customers or yeah. the right shareholders and it, it's inauthentic you know th th this is all actually very very simple Garrick. um without naming names um can you think of your best friend yeah of course yeah okay and how long have you been friends roughly how many years 20, 20 years. Okay, so you're good long-term friends, aren't you? And if I were to ask you, you know, why is that person your best friend and why are you their best friend? You know, we would probably find it quite difficult to, to answer. However, um, you know when that friend is being true. Equally, equally, you will know when that friend does something which doesn't seem to be quite right to you. We would use a phrase in English, something along the lines of, um, that person had done something out of character um, and it would make you hesitate. Um, the, the same things that are going on in your brain when you are identifying friends who become long, lifelong friends or when you see them do something out of character and you're moved to go and speak with them because, you know, this isn't really you. Why are you doing this? Um, these same processes go on in our brains every day in business, they do. You know, we will make business deals based on a handshake and then sort out the contract. We won't make business deals based just on a contract if that person doesn't choose to shake hands. Because something deep inside us will make us feel we don't trust them. 
and it just doesn't feel right. And th this is, it really is this simple. This is a case of working with the biology rather than in spite of it. And if we try to shape our views to be something that we think other people want to hear, then every human being on the planet who sees or hears that and knows us will think, nah, that there's something that doesn't ring true about that. It doesn't feel right. And although we might not be able to put into words, uh, in a sense of what it means to trust somebody or feel loyal to them, that will start to be degraded and we'll choose to go elsewhere. And if, if people think that this doesn't play a part, these feelings doesn't play a part in business. Um, I was speaking with some investment bankers a few months ago, and they gave me um, a hesitant look when I was talking about this. And then I said to them, I saw in the, uh, the newspaper that Wall Street market was down. And the headline said, sentiment of the market was down. I said to them, what is sentiment if it is not a feeling? We are driven by feelings. We will have heard, I'm sure all your listeners will have heard of the car company, VW. After the crisis it turned into um, of some months back, when they were found to be um, falsifying their emissions figures for their cars, uh, overnight, the trust that people felt towards VW fell, and so did their sales, and so did their profits. So feelings are hugely important in business, hugely. It is part of who we are as human beings. And if we try to manipulate people's feelings, it's not going to last in the long term, because every human being on the planet is equipped with the same sort of brain which works very powerfully at the level of feelings and emotions. We are emotional animals after all, and that is how we make all decisions. And people will choose to move away from us if they don't feel that they can trust us. They won't trust us and they won't be loyal to us. So feelings are hugely important. I couldn't agree more, Peter. Uh, the company that is behind Unlock People's Potential, Contriber, is yeah. actually doing something quite interesting. Is We often say, when someone asks us for our opinion, I think that. And we have kind of deleted the, the words, I think, from our vocabulary. And we use instead, I feel. And we, we put a huge uh, emphasis on that because the opinion you actually give is not rational. It's just the pure feelings that you have. It is. You know, it, it's why some people buy Apple computers and some people buy... Um, you know, Windows computers. Um, it, it's not that one is better than the other. It's people. It's because people feel a connection to one or the other. You know, if you're the sort of person who wants something that's beautifully designed and simple to use and just makes life easy for you, you might choose to go with a Mac because you know, it's part of what you believe, even if you can't put it into words. If, however, you're the sort of person who likes to configure their lives and um, make alterations and personalize things and make it bespoke, then chances are you'll go down a, the route of a Windows-based PC because it allows you to do that. It is, it's not that one is better than the other, and that's, that's sometimes something that people forget. This is not about something is better than the other. It's about what you believe. 
And if you believe in one thing, you'll go one way. If you believe in another thing, you'll go another way. And if as business people, we choose to get very clear and practice communicating what it is we believe, what we stand for, you know, and this is the roots of leadership. Leadership is about standing up for what it is you believe in. And it takes courage because when you do that, when you stand up for what it is you believe in, it exposes you, it makes you vulnerable. Others can see what it is you stand for and what you believe in. And that, with that comes risk because you know that there will be a percentage of people who don't believe what you believe and they will move away from you. But when you do stand up for what it is you believe, when you show that leadership, then people who believe what you believe will choose to come and join you and will choose to either work for you or with you with blood, sweat and tears or choose to be loyal customers or choose just to be champions and fans of what it is you're trying to do. You know, like Richard Branson, Richard Branson running the Virgin Group. He's very clear on why he does what he does. He wants to positively impact on millions of people's lives and have fun. That's what he believes. So if you're the sort of person who believes in that too, then chances are you'll choose to fly on his airlines if you need what he has. You'll choose to go on his trains. You would support him with his space program or his hotels or whatever. Um, and Branson chooses to stand up and make clear what it is he believes. And that is a choice that's open to all of us. And that is the source of leadership, is choosing to be clear on what we stand for and to lead our lives and our organizations in accordance with that. Peter, you're so right. It's so important. And actually, when you think about marketing, you you have two, type of, two types of audiences. Uh, the first one are people that you mentioned, people who share the same belief than you do. And if you just communicate this belief in the right way and succeed to reach these people, they will listen to you and like probably become your customers. That's at the same time, there is another group of people who are people who actually don't believe the same. And part yeah. of your job as a marketer or as a leader is to convince them or change their belief in a way that is still authentic. You don't want to tell them something that is not true, but how can you make them change the belief and make actually another decision about what they should believe in? You can't. <laughs> no, you can't. But let me expand on that. The only, the only, the only person who can, can change somebody is the person themselves. You know, I cannot force you, Garrick, to go away and do anything. I can't. You have to choose to do it, unless I'm going to be on your shoulder all of the time uh, and policing you. But that's not how the world works. So uh, not what we're trying to achieve. So the, the aim is to create a, a context within which people are choosing to do something. Because then they will choose to do it even when you are not there or even when you are not targeting them or, or whatever it is. And the way you have people choose to do something is by being very clear, again, on what it is you believe. And then you give them the opportunity to choose to be part of, of that. Um, and they will choose to be loyal. But if we try to manipulate people, if we try to force people down a particular path, um, then it's not going to last in the long term. Um, <laughs> I'll give you an example. There's... Um, 
In the grocery business in the UK, similar to many other countries around the world, there are some big players, some big organizations that have a large part of the, uh, the grocery store business in the country. And they are often in competition, always in competition. And I went through one of the checkouts uh, of one of the supermarkets uh, not so long ago. And as you scan your goods, your products at the checkout, the computer there in real time, very clever technologically, in real time checks the price of that particular product or each and every product, it checks the price of that product in the two main competitor stores in real time. And that's pretty good. And at the end of your scanning, when you get your final bill, it tells you how much you have saved, how much money you have saved by shopping at their store. And if you could have saved more money by going to one of their competitors' stores, they will give you a coupon for the difference that you can use in their store next time you visit. Um, one of their competitors has latched onto this, and they've gone one better. They do exactly the same, only the coupon they will give you is for an extra 10% off your goods when you go to their store the next time. So this is manipulation. Now, if you are a consumer and you believe in getting as much money as you can, uh, sorry, as m much as you can for your money, then chances are you will, you will go to whichever store will supply those goods at the lowest price. And so that's good for you. But it's not really very good for the business because if another store opens down, up down the road offering the same goods at a lower price, you're going to go there. And so it, it depends what it is we're after. We can manipulate people in the short term. But if we want to create long-term sustainability, then we need to inspire them. And the way we inspire people is to be passionate about what we believe and to be clear and articulate what it is we believe, such as my example of Elon Musk. He's inspired thousands, millions of people around the world to join, in, join him in what he believes, even if they, they can't afford to go out and buy a Tesla or the Tesla is not available in their country. He has a huge following, and that's because he inspires And so a huge part of it is actually when you think about Tesla, many people are enthusiastic about it and they will spread the word, even though they haven't started, like yeah. haven't used it at all. And so is a huge part of how you communicate the belief is actually word of mouth. Yeah, this is, I think that there's another great example. Um, and is it okay if I give you these examples, Garrett, because I think it's better than just talking in the abstract. Yeah, of course, of course. So um, this is something that happened with Richard Branson. Um, and Richard Branson, he left school at the age of 16 without any qualifications whatsoever. Um, but then, as we know, he, he started off in the music business. And now the Virgin Group is in such diverse areas as airline travel, space travel, hotels, uh, mobile phones, banking, etc., 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 gyms, whatever. And one of his businesses uh, is to run a rail service in the UK. And this rail service is on contract with the British government. And a few years ago, it came up for a renewal of the contract. And the British government went out for tender. And a lot of people 
bid to run this rail service along the west coast of the UK. And all the bids were assessed, and it was decided that actually the the contract was going to go to a competitor of Branson's and not Richard's Branson's company. Their contract wasn't going to be renewed. And that was fair enough, but then two or three weeks later, a newspaper discovered that there had been some sort of irregularity in the way the bids had been assessed. And this got out into the newspapers. And that's when the remarkable thing happened. Thousands and thousands of people got onto Twitter and other social media saying, this is not right. Branson needs to be given another chance. And the overwhelming support he got through social media caused the British government to say, actually, yes, you're right. There was an irregularity, a complete mistake, but it was irregularity. We will rerun the competition, which they did at the cost of a couple of million pounds to the British taxpayer. But nonetheless, the bids were rerun. And Branson is still running that rail service. Now, whether you think that is right or wrong, that's not my point. My point is the tens of thousands of loyal supporters, many of whom don't even travel on his trains because they believe in Richard Branson and what he believes, even if they can't quite put it into words. They were moved to show their belief by sharing their thoughts on social media and creating this huge loyal following that caused something very different to happen. And that's because Branson's clear on what he believes. Peter, thank you so much for, for being here and Unlock People's Potential. I'm sure everyone has find it very, very, very insightful. And where can the, our listeners find you online? Well, um, several places. Um, they can find me at um, whynotunlimited.com. Um, more importantly, they can find me at startwithwhy.com. Also, if, if your listeners are interested in discovering their own why, you know, it takes usually about half a day for me or Simon or one of my colleagues um, to, to sit down and take someone through a why discovery. And of course, that's not very scalable. So what we did was produce an online course, which people can do in about eight hours. And if um, people are interested in that, they can go to a website, why is why, W-H-Y, ISWHY.com. Why is why? And there, there'll be lots of um, free material to help you um, start to discover your why. Um, one of them is the Friends exercise, which um, goes down the route that we started, Garrett, when I asked you about um, uh, you know, the reason why your best friend was your best friend. Um, that's an exercise everybody can do. And also there's the course there, which um, people can, can do as well. So it's available to everybody. And learning your why, or more importantly, learning how to put it into a single sentence is the most powerful and empowering thing that you can do. And I would really encourage everyone to go ahead and discover their why, because that will form the foundation for creating not only a sustainable business organization, but also will give you a really good signpost, a direction for life and the way that um, you can find fulfillment in what you do. This is beautiful. Thank you so much, Peter. You're very welcome. Wonderful to speak with you. Thanks, Gary.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Unlock People's Potential. This podcast was brought to you by Contriber. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Let us know what you think. You can find the show notes on our blog, blog blog.contriber.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you've been inspired to become a great leader and to unlock people's potential.